who are the Asian male figures in my life. Like I actually don't have any, you know, like I, like my, my dad is white. Uh, I mean, I have an older brother, but you know, whatever, we'll, we'll table that one to for the second, but like, you know, even like my grandpa on my mom's side is, you know, they they were divorced. So he wasn't there. And, and typically speaking, like, I feel like when you kind of grow up mixed in that situation, you don't have an Asian male role model in any kind of way. And if you're not getting it from culture, like in movies and stuff, then you're not getting it anywhere. Uh, whereas like, you know, I think if you grow up in the, you know, Asian male, or like if your dad is an Asian and your mom is white, like, even if you're not getting the culture, I think you can still get like a positive, you know, masculine identity role model from your, from your dad, presumably. So that's kind of an interesting thing too. And that's where I really felt like growing up, you know, and, and, and coming to terms with that sort of thing and not having that role model and not having it in pop culture in any kind of way, like you're going to inevitably sort of distance yourself from the masculinity that is Asian masculinity, or at least that was my experience. Hey everyone, it's Kim, the host of Multiracial White Boy. That audio clip you just heard, that is from Mickey Finnegan. He is a writer and director best known for his music video work with artists such as CeeLo Green, The Offspring, Usher, Miley Cyrus. He also does commercial work with such brands as Dish, Pepsi, and Intel. Mickey grew up in Northern California in San Mateo. His father is Irish and his mother is Filipino. So let me pivot back to the audio clip you just heard. Because in essence, it sums up a great deal about today's podcast episode. A lot of my conversation with Mickey centers around how we both didn't have Asian role models while we were growing up. And you know my story, man. I mean, I had nobody. And because we're both filmmakers as well, we we looked up to people like Steven Spielberg and Clint Eastwood, for example. So we ended up having this super interesting discussion about the difficulty of not being fully seen as Asian American filmmakers. Because, for one, we're mixed, but also because of no fault of our own, we both grew up around white communities and white people. Eventually, our stories aren't seen as Asian enough. Let me tell you real quickly, and I've mentioned it on the podcast a number of times, but in 2007, I did this film called Running Dragon. It's inspired by when my Vietnamese sister tracked me down, and I wrote, directed, and acted in it. And essentially, it it examines the impact of my white upbringing, like this podcast. And the film got into more white film festivals than it did Asian film festivals. I thought it would play the fuck out of Asian film festivals, but it did not. So the point is, my story, Mickey's story, people who are mixed, it's never seen as Asian enough, for example. Anyway, I never have these discussions at all. I never had them when I was younger. So it was great to have a fellow mixed Asian guy here to talk all these things out. This is me and Mickey Finnegan. 
And we have this tendency for some reason to fix everything on Instagram is like, fix you and you got to do this and you're yeah. super or whatever, well, th- or, th- or a world, you know, that's funny. Cause you're right. Like everyone is like prescribing, like, this is the way it is and fix them. You got to do this and blah, 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 like whatever side it is. But it's like anyone who's ever been to like therapy knows or, or couples counseling, right? Like that's like the worst possible way to interact with people. It's like, oh, I'm going to fix you as opposed to accept rather or listen to you or or listen understand you exactly right so i want to start with uh dude you were born in tom brady country i was born in tom brady country in in san mateo yeah yeah Yeah. going back to your parents your dad is new yorker irish guy did he have roots to the the whole irish people coming over here uh yeah yeah his grandpa came over here so my great-grandpa uh, was from Ireland. And, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm fuzzy on like the dates and the years and everything like that. But uh, I know that I, I believe the history is that, you know, in Ireland, there was a, a potato famine at some point in the early like 19s. And so a lot of the people fled the country and moved to America for opportunity. So that's uh, interesting. My, I didn't know that there's always a reason why people come over there, just not for yeah. freedom and just things like that. It's just, yeah. Yeah. So just, just seeking opportunity. So my great grandpa would have been one of those immigrants who came um, and then they settled in New York. And uh, I, I actually don't know what my great grandpa did. My grandpa was a firefighter and then my dad uh, grew up blue collar in Long Island, New York. And then uh, around college time moved over to San Diego and I don't know, it was a college dropout. And I don't know he, what he did. He just hung out in San Diego. Like so well, that's, that's where I grew up. Okay. <clears throat> yeah. And then, and then eventually he moved his uh, up to the Bay area to Tom Brady country and and that's where my mom's story inter- interconnects. Yeah. What, so was your grandpa, <clears throat> grandfather, he was a firefighter in New York? Yeah. Yeah. He's got some crazy stories. He was actually, wow. he was a firefighter in New York. He was also a firefighter in World War II. Uh, so he was in the Navy and he, I don't know what the position was, but obviously if you're on a, you know, a carrier and there's missiles being shot and the thing's on fire, like someone's got to put that out. So that that's what he did in the Navy, uh, during world war II. So he's got crazy stories, like, um, very, very interesting, very lived a very like, uh, kind of adventurous, dangerous firefighting life. Um, and then also even, and even just firefighting in New York, he's got crazy stories, which, you know, who knows if they're actually true, although like, I have no reason to not believe him. Uh, but yeah, he talks about like, you know, having to like jump out of buildings and, and things like that. And, and, you know, just, I think fighting fires in the, whatever it was, the fifties or forties, uh, is way less safe than maybe it is today. Yeah. Well, it, it's amazing. Cause like, even in the stories that I remember that my grandfather told me are hearing his story, like there's some kind of like, you know, myth that we build around these people yeah. in a lot of ways, because it, it, it like, they came from this really super interesting time. And then your mom, however, she comes here. She came from, she's Filipino. She came yeah. from Sabu. Sabu, yeah. And did she speak English or Sabu? I guess 20 million people speak it. Yes. So she, she spoke English. Uh, I think like where she was from, you know, I, I because of the World War II relationships with Philippines and America, That's what I was stuff, curious, like, right? English is, is very prevalent. So, uh, a lot of Filipino people grow up speaking English or at least like how, you know, if we're in California, a lot of people speak Spanish because it's just like the second language that everybody takes in middle school and high school. Yeah. Um, 
So similar over there. So she, she, she was fluent in English um, growing up. So she came here like when she was in her twenties, did you say? Yeah. Yeah. Around her twenties. So what, what was the reason? Uh, well, so I mean, you may have seen this, like, so I have two siblings that are my half siblings. Notice that. Did yeah. She, so was she, did she come over there with her current husband at the time or were they divorced or well, did I she think, already have two kids? Yeah. So they, they had two kids, then they divorced and she, then she came over to the States and I, I don't know if it was like right after the divorce, like wanted to get away from him or if it was, I just always wanted to be in the States, but, but I, I felt like there was that breakup sort of led to her coming over here in some kind of way. So my two older siblings uh, who would have been like, you know, one and four at the time came with her. Did she come here with like any skill or skill set or what, what did she do when she got here? Uh, that's a good question. I don't, I think, I mean, my mom is, is like, that's is a very, bold move. Yeah, it is. Two and kids she, too. And came, came with my, my grandma as well. Her mom, oh, wow. uh, who, who is also divorced from my grandpa. So like, it was just them coming over here. Um, and I don't know, like, I don't know what her plan was. I mean, my mom is very intelligent and very creative and, and, and she's great. And I learned a lot from her, but like, yeah, I think she just came over here thinking she'll just wing it or, or whatever. And I think she kind of, I don't know, got like a, a desk job somewhere and eventually worked her way up in a way. Wow. So your mom and dad, how did they meet? Uh, so both my parents are involved in real estate. That's, that's kind of what they, you, they you do. You mentioned that in the emails. So yeah. Yeah. Same so, office kind of. Yeah. They met, they met in the, they worked at an office uh, a real estate company and, and they met in that same office. And, um, yeah, I, I don't know, I guess history after that. And where, where was, where did they meet at the time? Was this in San Mateo or was this, this, this could have been South San Francisco or maybe even Daly city. Uh, I'm not exactly sure, but, uh, essentially if you know the peninsula area, which is like income in, embodies San Mateo and everything, it's, adjacent towns to San right Mateo. so it was in california though or yeah it, northern california yeah northern california right yeah i went to school in chico okay used to, used to take some bay trips uh never went to san mateo however um so you you were born half filipino irish but your siblings two siblings older ones were fully filipino yeah so did you ever Growing up, did you ever get like, why are your siblings darker than you? Because I saw your picture on Instagram and I was wondering, you know, I obviously I didn't know the backstory of your right. mother right, and or your father, but um, how was your relationship with them? And did you get like, why do you guys look different? You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I feel like, you know, for sure I knew. I mean, they've, they've always been my older brother and older sister, you know, so they, they were that's how it is. Like, yeah. That's just how it is. Like I'm adopted. Yes. Yeah. Like, I think they're my brothers and sister. Right. 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 So you, you, for the most part, when you're really young, you know, for, you just think, okay, this is just my brother. And you don't really think too much about like why they look so different. Um, but like when you think back on things, there are little indications or little moments in your life that you think like, oh yeah, like I was, I did feel, um, like, oh, why are they different? Or like understanding the context of like, oh, they they don't have the same dad and oh, like they're full Filipino and I'm half. And so just trying to like 
piece it together, you, you, you start to learn that stuff as you get older. Um, and, and yeah, and then sort of processing it. And as I'm sure we'll dig more into this in this conversation, which is like understanding like, uh, okay, well, what is that as a Filipino person and your identity compared to someone who's full versus half, like, what does that mean? And yeah, just figuring all that out. Let's go back to that. So growing up with your Irish father, who had some pretty strong ties to his Irish ancestry and your mother, who just recently came over, were you passed down any kind of cultural things with your grand grandmother and grandfather of either heritage? Yeah. I mean, I think it, it's kind of weird because, you know, I was trying to, before coming on the show, I was just trying to regather my thoughts and think about like, okay, like, you know, I, you know, when I talk about this and I think when I was younger, uh, there were more ties to being in the kind of the, the Filipino circle um, because of the fact that we just, if, if anyone's from the Bay Area and they know Daly City, that's like where all the Filipino people live is all in Daly City. So we spent a lot of time there and getting food there. And, and my grandma did a lot of the like daycare type of duties with me. So uh, she was always whatever, going to the grocery stores there and taking me with her and stuff. So I felt that sort of connection. Um, but then as I got a little bit older, you know, eight, nine, 10, 11, et cetera, uh, it felt like those connections kind of fizzled out and like my identity towards being half white or whatever overtook that because e- even just like my name, my name is Mickey Finnegan, like just processing that as like a part of my identity and thinking like, okay, like that is the most Irish sounding name you've ever heard. Like, w- am I actually Filipino? You know, am I actually half Filipino? I- I'm one of those people too, who, you know, I don't know what people think when they do see me, if they think that I look whatever. I think I, the most I get here in being in Southern California is people think I'm like, like Latino in some kind of way. I was going to say, yeah, a little bit. I get that too. Yeah. But for the most part, like, I think, you know, if, if they see me as at least mixed, they're certainly not going to see me as Filipino. I mean, and then when they hear my name, Mickey Finnegan, they're going to assume, oh, he must be Irish. So that's kind of, as far as like the, to answer your question, as far as the dynamic of feeling, you know, what, what I was, uh, that's kind of where I felt, uh, as I got older through the ages. But all that makes a lot of sense. Cause with the people that I've talked to on the podcast, they, you know, it's very weird. Like you have this Irish and Filipino background yet, you know, with a lot of people they are like, well, it's, it's similar in the sense that they maybe had more family members connected to that heritage. And that's who you, that's where you begin your assimilation, but you hit it on the nose, which would happen to me and so many other people. You start caring more about, you start assimilating more and caring more about pop culture and American culture and comic books and fitting right. in and things like that. Right. So then you, you kind of, kind of remove yourself from, those things, even though they're a big part of you. Yeah. Yeah. And it becomes, it just becomes sort of like a fun fact or whatever, you know, when you're, when you're growing up, it's like, yeah, I'm, I'm half Filipino. Okay, cool. You know, and you don't think too much about it or, you, you know, you, I can see like hook and be like, Hey, Rufio, he's, he's Filipino. I'm half Filipino and be like, Oh, that's kind of cool. But like, as far as like processing the identity beyond that, it, it it's, 
it's like you said, you just sort of more assimilate into, you know, pop culture or whatever, and whatever identity that that takes. And maybe that means, you know, more of your white culture or whatever. Yeah. So growing up, San Mateo, diverse, predominantly white, what was it like? Uh, it's, it's actually, the Bay Area is actually pretty, pretty diverse. I mean, my high school um, was fairly diverse as well. Uh, maybe not so much like Filipino or Asian, but definitely like a lot of, you know, Polynesian, Black, Latino, et cetera. Um, but, pro- but probably to the, whatever, the makeup of whatever California is, you know, half white still. Um, so yeah, a pretty, pretty mixed background overall, I'd say. Um, yeah. And you would bring, you know, friends home, a girlfriend home. Did they trip out when they saw your Filipino mom and your Filipino grandma, for example? Uh, I mean, I, I think, well, y- some people do trip out. Yeah. If I were to tell them I was Filipino, but mostly it would be the people who are Filipino that trip out. I think when I tell that's them. So I'm that's so yeah. true. It's you, yeah. sometimes the people that you're directly, you know, yeah. the link to, they're like, what? No, totally. Totally. So it is like, it, it is interesting to sort of like navigate that. But, you know, I, I think like I, I was actually pretty fortunate, like in my high school years that um, a lot of my friends just coincidentally, or maybe not coincidentally, I don't know, maybe there's like that connection. A lot of my friends ended up actually being mixed themselves. So like my, like a a big portion of my sort of high school friend group was like, oh, this guy's half Indian and half white and he's half black and half white and he's Mexican and white and he's, you know, Guatemalan and Chinese. And it was just, we, we were just all kind of mixed by coincidence. Um, And it's not like, were you guys talking about it or probably not? I mean, maybe, maybe a little bit. Like, I mean, I feel like maybe we would make the joke. I mean, like I, I definitely, one of my best friends, I mean, we always make the joke of like, man, just, you know, too, too Asian for the white people and too white for the Asian people. Like, right. you know, just whatever it is. <laughs> right. But, but, but not really knowing, I mean, just like the surface, most surface level of that joke and instinctively knowing that, yeah, like there, we were, we are the, these things, but we're also not quite either or. Um, yeah. And the communication at that time in your life, especially when you're in high school, is with joking around. You have totally, to. Totally. Because it's like revealing too much, you don't want to give too much away. Like, yeah. And yeah. you don't know how to really express yourself at that age. Yeah. And, and you don't know how to like process certain things either. Like, you know, obviously there are, there are instances in my life that I'm like, yeah, like experiencing, you know, microaggressions or some kind of racism or whatever. Um, but but at that time, either you dismiss it with a joke or you just, it just kind of flies past you. And cause you don't, you don't really know how to process it. Yeah. And it's like a until- Quentin Tarantino film when the violence comes out of nowhere. You're like, Whoa, <laughs> right. what? That was a racist guy. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. So unprepared for it. So did you ever, what, what were the microaggressions and, or, you know, things you were talking about? Like in, in your case, for example. Yeah. I mean, I think I got like, l- little things like that all the time. Like, you know, the typical one of like, Oh, what are you type of stuff? Like, Oh, people asking me that a lot. What are you? Uh, I, I got the, you know, the, the jokes about like, Oh, did you, you know, you're half, half Asian, half white. Like, did you get you, your dick from your dad's side or did you get it from your mom's side? Like that sort of thing. So getting those types of jokes, 
I got the experiences. Such toxic masculinely dickhead jokes. Yeah, yeah, for sure. For <laughs> yeah, sure. At least they're, the they're, first one you mentioned. Yeah. Or the second one. Yeah. For sure. The, that. And then, you know, and I got I've got the stuff where it's like uh the oh, I don't date Asian guy type of thing, which was always like a big kind of shock when, you know, because I've heard you talk on the podcast before and I totally agree with it, where it's like you sort of like within certain circles, you feel like, oh, well, I'm I'm white or you have your white card or whatever you call it. And then when someone hits you with the like, oh, I don't date Asian guys. You're like, wait, you're talking about me? Like I'm, I'm that like, so it's, it's a shock as well. And, and that can be, you know, a microaggression as well. It it can be, but like, it's the dating thing always made me laugh in a lot of Mm -hmm. ways because it just felt so callous. Yeah. Yeah. And like they were, it's not like, you know, I, it's difficult to call people out on their, what they're sexually attracted to. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think it, 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 it is very, very kind of a, a touchy thing. It, like I know, and <clears throat> certainly being like, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, certainly being like an Asian guy uh, and, and having feelings about that dynamic uh, and the masculinity thing and, and where that fits in the culture. It, it's, it's sort of a hard, um, hard waters to navigate, I think for a lot of people. Um, but, but I feel the way I do about it where it's like, you know, I, I don't knock anyone's, you know, racial preference. I mean, your preference is your preference and kind of like where we were talking off air where I was just like, you know, I mean, I'm not here to prescribe to you what I think is right, but, but I do, I do certainly feel like, you know, your preferences are molded by your experiences and you're influenced by, you know, the culture that you grow up in. So, you know, I, I think. Or if you myself, just tell me you're, you don't date Asians, fuck you, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That reveals so much about your character to me. Totally. Totally. But like, also too, it's like, maybe you've just been sort of pro, like, why do you feel that way? Like maybe yes, you've been why do you programmed, feel like- programmed to feel that way, or maybe not, maybe you just, whatever you just like, Blonde hair. I don't know. Like, you know, I, I can't tell you what you like. I think that's time, exactly what you, like. You don't know what you like, but you know that you're just wired that way. Yeah. Yeah. So and when I would hear that comment, I never got too. I would laugh about it, quite frankly. Right. For the most right. part. That was my way of dealing with it. Right. Right. Yeah. And I think that that's probably a good way to deal with it because like ultimately, I mean, you can let it get at you or you can just laugh it off and move on. You know? Yeah. And realize how absurd it is. So yeah. I don't know, you know, in talking about, in talking about, you know, Asian male masculinity, I don't know if you listen to Mark Marin, what the fuck podcast. Uh, and, occasionally. Yeah. Yeah. Occasionally me too. But I did listen to the one with Eddie Huang mm. and he talks a lot about it in the podcast because of his, his film that he did, the independent film he, that he uh, just directed. Um, what is it called? Boogie. Yeah. And because, and I kind of felt the same way. He, he, he always felt like, cause he was a basketball player that he, that basically Asian men never fit into the spectrum of sexuality when yeah. he was, he was raised and like growing up, you know, it was the same thing. There was like no sexual Asian males for the most part. There were basically punchlines when I was growing up, like long yeah. duck dong, you know, uh, Arnold from Happy Days to Mr. Miyagi, you know, but even guys like Jet Li who are badasses, 
you know, they were never seen as like international sex gods, like Matthew McConaughey, for example. Yeah, <laughs> totally, totally. And even in the, the, that's like the classic example of, of, you know, Jet Li and, and Romeo Must Die. And he was like, the, the love interest was Aaliyah, but they like, didn't have that. They didn't like in the typical way with every other movie where it'd be like, okay, at the end, these two get together and they kiss or whatever. They totally didn't do that because I think that they felt like, oh, audiences are not going to like this or they only want to see the, you know, the, the cool martial arts stuff from Jack Lee, not right. Being, that's not how they're being selling it. Exactly. Yeah. Not being a sex symbol in any kind of way. And I felt like that's, that was always the reason, like, even like with people of color in this country, like when you hear about black women, I like that have come on this podcast tell me like, well, there's no black women that were representing me in the, in the beauty industry. Right. And, or Latinos or Spanish, you know, whatever. And it really has an effect on you when you're a kid because you're you're trying to find a sense of identity and everything through TV, through music videos, through magazines at that time is just centered around whiteness. And it's not that I'm what I'm saying is entirely racist or anti-white. It's just that's what it's centered around. Yeah. I mean, what else would we want to, you know, to aspire to? Right. Right. And I think that that's something that's really interesting too. And I would love to hear where you fit into this, but like I'm mixed, right. We're half Filipino, half Irish, but I feel like uh, my mom is Asian and my dad is white. Obviously there's a whole different component to being, to, to what that makeup means, right. Where it's like, if it's an Asian guy and a white girl and a white guy and an Asian girl, I mean, I think even that nuance can sort of elicit different experiences. Yes, um, it does. And, and so, so processing, but, but what, tabling that, you know, growing up in a household where it's like, who are the Asian male figures in my life? Like, I actually don't have any, you know, like I, like my, my dad is white. Uh, I mean, I have an older brother, but you know, whatever, we'll, we'll table that one to for the second, but like, you know, even like my grandpa on my mom's side is, you know, they they were divorced, so he wasn't there. And, and typically speaking, like, I feel like when you kind of grow up mixed in that situation, you don't have an Asian male role model in any kind of way. And if you're not getting it from culture, like in movies and stuff, then you're not getting it anywhere. Uh, whereas like, you know, I think if you grow up in the, you know, Asian male, or like, if your dad is an Asian and your mom is white, like, even if you're not getting in the culture, I think you can still get like a positive you know, masculine identity role model from your, from your dad, presumably. So that's kind of an interesting thing too. And that's where I really felt like growing up, you know, and, and, and coming to terms with that sort of thing and not having that role model and not having it in pop culture in any kind of way, like you're going to inevitably sort of distance yourself from the masculinity that is Asian masculinity, or at least that was my experience. And it's not essentially like it's by choice. Right. It almost happens subconsciously because right. you're, you, you hit on something so interesting that I hear a little bit, but hearing your experience is interesting because, you know, even if the people that I've spoken to on this podcast or, or I've read about that, you know, maybe had, let's just say biracial and black, if they didn't have a black figure in their family, they don't know about their history. They don't know about their hair. They don't know right. about, it doesn't happen by osmosis. Right. 
Right. And it's like this girl said, if someone's not feeding you books or mentoring you, you're not going to have a sense of that, of what it means to, you're going to have a sense of what it means to be black, but you're not going to have a sense of the history of it or the role models. Yeah. And most of your role models growing up, grandma was Filipino. What about your dad's side? Irish. Yeah. Irish family. Were they around? Uh, yeah. Yeah. They were around my dad's sister. So my aunt was around and, and my grandparents on that side were also within the area. So uh, I was able to have that side of the family be, you know, represented in holidays, et cetera. Yeah. So I want to go to like, to USC, you, uh, you, like you said, you grew up in San Mateo and then you went to USC for college. And Mm -hmm. did you, I, when you were there, did you identify yourself as Filipino, as Asian American and or mixed at all? Like when you say identify, like, is it just like an internal identification or like a, I don't know. I never called it application or when, or like, you know, because yeah, I think, I mean, I think when you went to college, I guess. Yeah. I think I'm always like, whenever you're forced with the, like, check your race form, (laughs) you know, hopefully, hopefully it says you can pick more than two. I mean, like, I know there's a lot of forms that used to say like, oh, you just choose one. And then I I would feel like, what do I choose? Um, But uh, yeah, like I think in any application or whatever, I I for sure was checking half white, half Asian or Filipino, if it it was an option. Um, So I think when I went to college, like, I mean, yeah, it's not like, it it was just one of those things where it's like, I, I didn't, I didn't outwardly proclaim that like, oh, I'm, I'm mixed. But at the same time, if someone asked, I, I, I didn't hide it. I just, I brought it up. Uh, or if, um, and then actually later, later on in, in college, I actually do think that I would, I did join like the Filipino club or, or whatever it is, but you know, not really. How'd you feel in that space? Uh, like I was not Filipino, <laughs> like, you know, like I think, it's it's the what we were talking about earlier where where people are like when I tell Filipino that I Filipino people that I am Filipino they're surprised to hear that I'm Filipino so it was the same kind of thing of like, and it was so legit at least from your stories from growing up with your grandma and going shopping and things like yeah that. totally like my experience in it is like 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 I you know they're all eating this food and it's like I know this stuff come on man like you know <laughs> like you can't tell me that I don't know you know I'm not a fan of ube or whatever you know so it's like it is really interesting. And it's like, you know, and you know, this being mixed, I mean, you're, you're always somewhat accepted, but still, you still feel like, you know, you're not quite in. Oh, I felt like an entire, you know, imposter. Yeah, for sure. In in those spaces. I still do a little bit. Yeah, me too. Um, Me too. You know, especially when, you know, cause I was going to ask you, cause you know, with your, your filmmaker, um, like myself. And did you ever apply for like project involve or, you know, anything, any kind of film grants for, for BIPOC people? Uh, yes. I've applied to a lot of them. Uh, and, and I, I haven't gotten into any, uh, did you go, did you apply to project involve? Uh, not that, not that one specifically now. Oh, with film independent. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But I've applied to a lot of them and, you know, I haven't gotten any, uh, and you know, I don't know, maybe, I just wasn't picked like that is totally a viable possibility, totally. Yeah. but also, but also too, like, I think in this climate, like, I don't think Mickey Finnegan fits the optics of like, of, of a diversity program. Like, 
And that's just, I I'm, think that's, that's what I wanted to talk to you about. Cause I, yeah. I felt the same way because yeah. even though I was a mixed transracial adoptee, I grew up with a white family mm-hmm. and they really loved a film that I did. Um, my first film that I ever did about my Vietnamese sister coming to my, coming into my life mm-hmm. and kind of disrupting my, my white identity, which I kind of carried around with me. Um, but I, I also felt like that they wanted to hear stories more about like Mickey Finnegan, the Filipino side, and that's pretty much it. Or just that, the, you know, that you, the communities that represent those people, not, and it felt more difficult. I felt like they were trying to put me in a box in a way. Totally. Why? You're not going to ask fucking Catherine Bigelow, you know, that she can't just to do chick films. She's a badass director. Let her fucking yeah. do action films. Yeah. Yeah. I, I do think that that's kind of. We, we're definitely in like sort of a weird climate, I think, with there's a lot of great stuff going on with diversity and like doing absolutely other, other people's we need stories. Those stories. Absolutely. Yeah, 100%. But but then also, too, we're kind of in a weird situation, too, where like, you know, the Kim story is going to be growing up in a mixed identity household like that's that has to be your story at this current time. And and maybe and, and it's kind of unfortunate because like maybe it's not your story. Maybe your story is about. I don't know, just like a uh, uh, poverty. Like maybe that is your story. Maybe your story is about uh, like just uh, you know, uh, I don't know, uh, stocks and Wall Street. Like maybe that's your story. But like for now, I think your story has to be kind of this thing that is wrapped in your identity. And you know, good or bad, I just feel like that's kind of where we are. But then I yeah. think it's also a weird situation too, where it's like, you know, my wife, she's uh, she's an actress and involved in film and everything, and she always tells me. Uh, she's like, you should probably just like change your last name or you should probably pitch movies that are more closely associated with your identity. And the, the my issue, like, I, th- that's fine. I think that there, there's places in me that wants to explore those things. But also too, like I think the, and I go back to like the optics thing. I feel like even Mickey Finnegan pitching like a half Filipino story or a Filipino story is still like, it doesn't quite hit for people who don't, know my background like it's just even that as like a a package doesn't optically seem like it would work so i feel like that there's 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 a challenge there in trying to figure navigate that i think for this probably true for a lot of mixed people is like just trying to figure out how they fit into you know the box that is this diversity area yeah or just a guy that's filipino that wants to do the kind of films you want to do maybe they're comedy maybe they're action films maybe they're just dramas so your influences when you were growing up when you went to film school who were they i grew up in the born in the in the 80s so obviously spielberg like everyone else who who grew up in that that time period has like a big influence uh but more recently well i guess i guess all, all those films like i mean the spielbergs and the george lucases and um later in life, like obviously the Christopher Nolan's just like the, the, some of the, the biggest names who are, you know, heralded in the, the filmmaking space. I mean, a lot of those people were heavily influential for me. And then I think now the, one of the people I look up the most to, uh, just as filmmaker, I love like the way he tells stories is, is like a Taika Waititi who incidentally oh, is, yeah, is so good. Yeah. Is mixed race. Right. So like, I, but I really enjoy a lot of the themes that that he does in his films and like how and the way that he deals with morality and stuff because it just resonates with me because it 
I don't know him. And obviously I'm projecting my own feelings when I watch his movies and stuff, but it, but it really does feel like he makes his movies from a place of love or he wants to sort of bring people together and like, kind of, you know, have it be this kind of harmonious, beautiful thing. We're all connected and that sort of thing. And I think maybe that comes from a place of being mixed when you grow up in a household that's, you know, can feel at odds sometimes and you don't feel like you belong. You feel like the only thing that matters is our shared humanity. So it's like, I, I can't index too hard on this identity or that identity. I just have to be connected to people in ways that is sometimes outside my identity. That's a great example, you know, of his work. Yeah. I mean, and a guy who's earned his place in Hollywood to tell stories like Jojo Rabbit. Yeah. You know, he's not, he's not always going to do, what was the first indie film he did? It was so good. There was Um, like boy and boy. Yeah. 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 Yeah, Boy. And then the, the kid uh, with Sam Neill, I forget. uh, Uh, Yeah. The will, will the beast something, right? Like, or or the wilds hunt. Yeah. I can't remember the name. Hunt for the wild. Wild people. I think. Yeah. Yeah. That's a guy who's definitely, you know, who, we don't necessarily have to just see those stories about, you know, where he grew up. He's yeah. earned that, you know, that the way he could tell stories, like you said, and be so charming, be so quirky and have such a unique visual style. So what was your style when you first got to USC? Um, Cause you're just well, kind of finding style? it. It's I so interesting. Yeah. Who, knows what my, <laughs> who knows what my style is? Like I go back and I like, look at some of the stuff that, that I do now. And I think about like, where did all this style come from? And I, I just, I just think about like, you know, I've just probably pulled from like all these movies that I watched growing up, you know, just the, whether it's like Indiana Jones films or back to the future or police Academy or stupid, you know, stupid stuff like that. Like just all of this stuff, I feel like kind of affects the work that I've done today. And, and I, I don't know what my style is. I feel like I feel like other people know what my style is better than I know what my style, because at least other people can go like, oh, he's the guy for this. So we'll get him for that. Sound like you made a damn good name for yourself in the music video industry. Yeah. And you did. So who are the same, some of the people, you know, feel free to name drop Usher. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Uh, Usher and Soldier Boy and CeeLo Green and I read LMFAO that. and uh, so Little John. A lot of people I worked with a lot of different artists. Yeah. So, and been very fortunate and stuff to do that. So what was your storytelling, you know, like in those videos? What, what, what'd you try to convey? Was it always just make it about them somehow? Like how'd you center the stories or like the videos, the video style and everything? Well, this is, well, one thing is interesting is like, you know, being multiracial, you know, one of the artists that I worked with very famously is, is a group called LMFAO. And if you know the members, I saw of that it, on your IMDb. Yeah. Yeah. So, so one of the members, his name is Red Fu, um, Stefan Gordy, who's related to Barry Gordy, but he happens to be uh, mixed as well, right? He's half black, half white. And it's not like we ever talked about our identity together. But I do feel like, in the way that my high school friend group were, where it's like you just connected with people who happen to be mixed, I do feel like there was sort of a, at least a, a, a connection in that way with him. Yeah. Uh, and so when we talked about, you know, what we wanted to make, I mean, you know, say what you will, he makes like kind of goofy, you know, silly music and that can easily be dismissed. But like for, for you know, he comes from, you know, uh, the lineage of Barry Gordy and Hitsville and all that stuff. And he, 
subscribes to the same message that Barry Gordy had, which is like music can heal the world and bring people together. So everything that he wanted to do, all the music he wanted to make, all the videos he wanted to do was just like, I just want to show that everyone is invited to this party. That like, that was like his, always his feeling. So e even when I look back to like on the videos that we were doing, like we always had like multiracial mixed casting. Like when we had dancers, we had like every single, you know, race represented in, in all of it. And, 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 and it was that you did, you guys both did that intentionally. Like, I mean, we thought about it a little bit. It wasn't, it wasn't the same sort of like, I think thought, like high I mean, demand, like you yeah, gotta like, do this. It like, wasn't you the, wanted like, to put those yeah, kind of people in yeah. there, right? It's like, oh, we gotta get like, oh, dude, we need we need this guy. Like, even the, or or it's like, oh, we need like him. He looks like he's goofy and and whatever, but like he should be in the party too. You know, that was just like the thought. So it was, yeah, it just we we were somewhat conscious of it, but it wasn't. It just it just was obvious to us. I think it's like maybe what what it felt like. Are you still directing music videos and in commercials uh, and stuff? I, I still, I predominantly still direct commercials and films and stuff now. Like music videos, great, great medium. Uh, but it's it's you know it's it's a young young man and woman's game for sure because like some of those stuff is is, is super chaotic and like you know I just I can't I can't stay up past it, midnight anymore. Yeah. Well, and there's also not the huge budget that there used to be. It seems yeah, yeah. like. Well, some it depends. I mean, like if you're doing sure, just depends on video, like, yeah. like you're 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 doing all right. Like yeah, or lemonade or yeah, you know, one of those things. Right. So all right. So stop Asian hate. Mm. Um your wife is Chinese, right? Yes. Is that what she is? Okay. So yeah. your mom's Filipino, you know, she lives up in the Bay Area. Any concern? Uh, yeah, I mean, that time. Little, I mean, I think a little bit, I mean, it, it's, I, I do, th I do think that there for sure is obviously a rise in, in, in everything going on and, and it's, and it can be scary for sure. And I've talked to my wife about it and, you know, and she feels the way she does. It's like, she doesn't feel unsafe, but at the same time too, you know, she, every now and again, will be out and just quickly, whatever, you'll get the flash or think to yourself like, oh, like, are people looking at me weird? Or like, you know, is, is, is something going to happen? And, and that's her experience. And whether it's, you know, um, you know, whether it's something that, that is actually going to happen to her or whether it's like a, a, a her, a, a projection of, of her thought of what's going on in the, in the news cycle, um, that's the way she feels. And that's what the climate sort of is right now. Um, and so for that reason, like, yeah, like, I mean, I feel, um, a little bit of concern for, for the people I know, but, but at the same time too, I'm, I'm just, I'm always want to be hopeful and optimistic that, you know, maybe it, it'll be something that, uh, with, with time and awareness and conversation, like, I, I think that some of the, the, the feelings might start to settle down more. That's a great point. I mean, how this, and I, I, I kind of felt that too, like, that this could be an opportunity for the Asian American community. Mm -hmm. um, when I went to the Vancouver Asian Film Festival, um, oh, cool. yeah, uh, it was a while ago when my first film I did, and um, Justin Lin was there, and so was Roger Fan, and because they it was like it was like one of the anniversaries for you know Better Luck Tomorrow, right? And I was on a panel, and just after my panel, Justin Lin was on. And, but Roger Fan, I don't know if you, you know who he is. He's 
been in a bunch of Justin Lin's films, he said something really smart, how the reason Asian people don't have more visibility in Hollywood is because unlike the black community, like the black community wants it. They demand BET. They go out and create it. Yeah. Like they have like, and maybe it's because there's like over 20 different types of Asian kind of communities in America. He basically talked about how they need to be more aggressive in terms of their, what they want. And I feel right. like this moment, like now they're like, there's Asian people like, no, we want to be represented this way. Right. And we're tired of it. Like there used to be, and it's just how the nature of the Asian community is. It's been, it's been known as being docile. It's been known as being like, you know, and, and, and for me, myself, you roll with the punches, you know, with the microaggressions, don't say anything. Right. But now I feel like they're just, it's not like they're being dicks or assholes about it. They're just kind of like, they're putting boundaries up how they want yeah. to be represented. And I'm kind of, I'm very happy to see that. For sure. For sure. And that, I mean, that's like a, the whole, I totally agree with that. And that's just definitely an interesting, like Eastern Western philosophy mindset, right? Like, yes. I think that's like a cultural mindset. Yeah, totally. I think like Western squeaky wheel gets the grease and Eastern is like, what's the proverb? Like the, the loud duck gets shot, you know, yes. like that's like, those are just the two juxtapositions of the mindset, I think. Yeah. All right. Well, look, um, I usually end the podcast with what do you feel optimistic about you as a mixed person, Filipino and Irish moving forward with your work? How do you feel optimistic about yourself moving forward with your, you know, unique background? Hmm. How do I feel optimistic? Um, yeah. What uh, ways anyway? Well, I think, I think if anything, uh, with because there's so much going on in the news and there's so much to process. I mean, I think if anything, it can help. Um, it's always good to kind of check in with yourself, right? And and think about, you know, once you go through all these feelings and, and what's going on, you can kind of come out the other side feeling even more confident about how you feel about things or, or you know, as I do film, like, how do I want, for me personally, how do I want to uh, show my identity or how do I want to, uh, help diversity or help, uh, you know, expand voices that have not been heard. Like, and, and I think now more than ever, I feel optimistic about the fact that it's like, I, I, I know very clearly, like what I want to put out into the world and what I want to, uh, say for, for that. Thank you very much, Mickey Finnegan for coming on the multiracial white boy podcast. And I just want to give a quick shout out to his wife, Jen. She has been following the Multiracial White Boy podcast on Instagram. And she DM'd me and told me about her husband, Mickey Finnegan. And you know the rest. Once again, I'm Kim, the host of the Multiracial White Boy podcast. Thank you again for all your support. Please subscribe. Review the podcast. And please follow us on Instagram at multiracial white boy. I'm always engaging, at least trying to like people like Jen. And if you have someone that you feel is, I don't want to say worthy, but you, you think is interesting, has an interesting story, shoot me a DM, write about them, tell me about them, whomever, I don't care. The more interesting people I could get on here, the better. Thanks again, everybody for listening. 
Have a great week. New episode next Tuesday.